What's up? This is Brandon London, and you're listening to the Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast. You hear that? The Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast. Let's go Giants. Another edition of the Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast. This week we are 66% British, 33% Irish, but still 100% Giants. We have Dan on work duty this week. It is uh, my birthday treat to uh, host the podcast uh, again as we kick off our state of play positional reviews. Uh, but before we get into that, how are you doing, boys? You good? Yeah, not bad. I mean, could you ask for a better birthday present? <laughs> Chatting to you two. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, good, mate. Um, obviously, as you can see, been rushing around again. Just been picking up child uh, uh, furniture in the t- in the in the garden. There, it's, you know, it took me far longer than it should have. But I'm glad <laughs> to be on. Just absolutely running around, having to get these slides put together, you know. But um, the last thing I needed after coming back from a stag do in Benidorm with uh, with the Irish lads and English lads. Uh, so, uh, but anyway. I'm here, ready to talk some football, as we do every week with Giants. So I just want to say a massive happy birthday. Cheers, man. Much appreciated. Uh, so before we, we crack on with the uh, OTA news, just uh, if you're watching live on YouTube, thank you very much. We really appreciate it. Um, if you aren't subscribed, then please do click on that subscribe button, click the thumbs up, let you know or let us know that uh, you like the video and feel free to get involved in the comments with any of the topics that we're talking about today, which are QBs and RBs. But let's have a look at OTAs. So OTA day three was last week on the 25th. Um, and Slayton, who's who's been a, a real advocate for Daniel Jones since Jones has re-signed and obviously then Slayton re-signing, um, was, was really the standout last week, caught multiple deep balls, uh, including one for a touchdown, and Waller, who seems to be Jones's favourite target at the moment, um, opened the day with a long tap catch, and their chemistry seems to be growing. Um, but one thing that has been noted by a lot of the beat writers who are attending these are that there's a perceived freedom that Kafka and Dable were giving the the wide receivers, where they're all lining up to run their route uh, their routes, but they they're allowing them to give it a little bit of flavour. You know, they're all going to the same depth and the right depth for the route, but they're allowed to, to mix it up a little bit. Um, so, obviously, it's practice. But how important is it for Waller and Jones to develop their their chemistry? And is Waller being targeted more often to, to start that rapport? Or is it purely, you know, to show that he is the number one, do you think? Kev, do you want to kick that one off? Yeah, I mean, um, well, we, we, we lauded the um, signing of the trade of Waller when it happened. We knew what type of weapon it was going to be. You know, Daniel Jones has come out this week and said, you know, he's a true 6'6", true 250-pound uh, receiver. I mean, he's he can block as a tight end. And I do think um, they're, you know, not pushing, you know, trying to get them the ball, trying to get the field, trying to get the timing on the routes. Because let's face it, like, Darren Waller is elite. He is, he's an elite player. And the only reason why we got him so cheaply was because of uh, possibly the injury histories a little bit, and also just not wanting to fit into the new coach's scheme and um, the coach not wanting him in the new, that much in the scheme at the Raiders. But I think um, Daniel Jones, we've seen it before. We've seen he's got a lovely, lovely deep ball. And when you've got a, um, a beast like that, a tight end position, you can play the slot, you can play the outside as well. Like, you know, try and feed him a little bit and get the hands warm and get the chemistry going because these two will be making a lot of plays together in the coming season. Yeah, Shane? Yeah, I mean, it's one of them. I mean, like, obviously, you you like to hear about the chemistry and that, but, like, I'm, I'm more interested in sort of hearing about how they are working together like that than sort of, oh, yes, yeah, someone looks good in OTAs. Like... I'm not being funny. I'm in t-shirts and shorts right now. I could probably look half decent if I really wanted to. It's t-shirts and shorts. So like, I, I, I prefer hearing about the chemistry they're building rather than, oh, yeah, such and such looks a standout. 
though the chemistry is more important to build. And um, I listened to a lot of couple of podcasts this week, and they were saying that you know uh, Daniel's a little bit different around the the, the, the training base this this year. Like you know, he's still not giving much away, but he seems like you know playing with a confidence like he's a re- he's got a bit of confidence around him because it's like he's got his contract he's not got to worry about no fifth year option being took up and he's you know he's had the weapons surrounded him they've gone you know what here's a tight end for you we'll get you a quick wide receiver as well we'll bring back and we'll bring some in free agency so you know it's kind of it's all being set up around him so like hopefully that's going to breed confidence for Daniel as well all right Dable, but from a, a lot of people. But one of the things that Dable said is that, you know, OTA is a camp for learning and teaching. No one's going to make the team or get cut from the team during these periods. Um, that, you know, that, that that's why we have OTAs. That's why they're not in pads at the moment, is it's all about the fundamentals and, you know, any kind of rapport building, chemistry building that they can do is, is going to be a plus for the, the upcoming season. Um, but you know, as I said, there was a lot said in the in the first media access for the presses this, uh, last week. So um, we'd focus on a few key talking points. Um, obviously, Brian Dable was was asked about Barkley. <laughs> I mean, why wouldn't he be? Um, and his response was that situation is going to be between Saquon and the organisation. And I'm not going to get into the detail of any discussions we've had. And, and that was pretty much the end of that. And I think the journalists have kind of come to the point where they know that they're not going to get anything more out of Dave's. If, if, if he shuts it down, he's going to shut it down. And if he waxes lyrical about someone, they, they just kind of let him flow. Um, but you also mentioned uh, when he was asked about some injured players, he mentioned about Beavers, whose rookie year was ended um, with an injury and how hard he was working to, to sort of rehab. But noted that all the players that they had coming off injuries were just at different stages and he was just one of the sort of standouts. Um, Jones uh, was very, as as Kev has already said, very complimentary about about Darren Waller in his press conference. Said about the fact that he's a true six six guy. You know, he can go up and he can get the ball. He's not like these other six six who play like they're six four or six five and, and, and aren't don't want to go for those jump balls. Um, and you can, he did say, you know, you can tell he's a big guy, but he can run every route, and his body control is phenomenal. Um, he also noted he was impressed with JMS and that they had already had a conversation about his snapping technique and that they had decided on the dead ball snap with Jones letting JMS know that, that he was good with it. Um, what do we think about about that with Jones? That that surely shows his maturity, that he is happy for JMS to keep his technique and Jones is willing to adapt his game to a rookie's as opposed to forcing the rookie to adapt to, to how Jones likes it. Shame. Yeah, I think for me, I think it shows like a little bit of a leadership thing. And at the same time, kind of, it's what I expect from Daniel. You know, he's he's, he's getting into his fifth year now. He's been in the league. He's been in the league long enough, if you know what I mean, to like not try and get phased by this against a, a guy who's coming in, brand, brand new into the league, a rookie. You know, he's trying to keep everything. He's trying not to disrupt him. He's trying to keep everything that he knows still to maybe get the best set of JMS. And that's what you want to see. From your quarterback, and like you know, it shows real, it shows real leadership, and it shows real confidence as well, like we've already alluded to. Yeah, Kev. Yeah, I think it just kind of shows as well that. Um, sorry, Craig. It kind of shows like um, that leadership is massive. Like you know, he's got the big contract now, Daniel Jones. He's got the full security. He's got the belief from the staff that he is the man now, the franchise quarterback of this team. Now, and he needs to take it by the scruff of the neck and go forward. Now, I, I read something the other um, recently that. Um, even the rookie, uh, Jalen Hylett, he's been staying behind afterwards with Daniel Jones to build up that rapport and get um, and sort of get that chemistry going, you know. And it's just, again, showing good leadership with Daniel Jones, you know, looking after these younger players coming in, trying to acclimatize them. I just want to note on Hyatt as well. Like, I thought it was really cool. Like, he, he hasn't been getting much first-team reps because they need to be earned, obviously. But even though other players are going through uh, drills and stuff like that, you know, he's behind them and he's mentally... Apparently, you can see the... the 
the steps, doing the turns, doing the uh, going through the motions and stuff behind the scenes, sort of like as the other players are doing it. And I think that just goes shows, shows great maturity on his part as well. But um, like I said, Daniel Jones, this is his team now. You know, we, we believe in him. The, the organization believes in him. The coaching staff believe in him. Um, and you know, he needs to take this forward. Yeah, absolutely, totally agree. Um, and you're right, Hyatt has been staying behind quite a lot to build that rapport. Um, and we'll get onto it uh, in a second when talking about uh, day four. But Hyatt seems to have been a touchdown machine in in practice and, and really showing off that he can be the weapon that we drafted him to be. Um, and and really, he could he could be the surprise package of that draft where. He, he's obviously going to have that chip on his shoulder because he dropped to the third round. Um, and he's going to be showing that that on the practice squad. And, and it, it won't be long, I don't think, until he potentially does get a few reps with the ones. But you're right, it does look like Campbell, Hodge and uh, Slayton seem to have, have that, that nailed up. Um, just a couple of points from the Walla, Okarike, Thomas and McKinney presses that, that happened last week. Um well, I noted that the respect between him and Jones was mutual, but he also said that Jones has a low-key sense of humour, um, like himself, and, and he described them both as introverts, which um, I think is probably going to help their their rapport as well. McKinney noted that he'd seen a lot of growth from the young safeties on the team, um, and he's been trying to put pressure on them, and they've dealt with it really well, but he said he will continue to see what buttons he can press, press with them. Um Okarike was touched on him being one of the guys to, to wear the green dot. Um, he said he, w- he was very proud to be to be given that opportunity. But whatever's best for the team, he doesn't have an ego about it. And he knows a couple of different guys are wearing it throughout the process. Um, I know for sure that McKinney has worn it during OTAs. Um, and finally, Thomas was asked about JMS, um, who he said had uh, done a good job learning the complicated system because they use a lot of hand signals and codes that he's going to have to get there. But he has said... We're encouraging him to be confident. Whatever he calls, that's how we approach the game. He's doing a good job for us, and I'm excited to see him play. So um, real good good quotes there from some of our um, big free agent signings and obviously the trade signing in Waller, but also a couple of our veterans there in, in Thomas and McKinney. Um, so OTAs kicked off again yesterday. Um, touchdowns were the, the name of the game. Um, Hodgins, Pimpleton uh, and Hyatt, who, who caught two, all had touchdowns. Tyrod also added one um, with his legs. Um, no takeaways for the third consecutive practice, but let's emphasise it's practice. You know, I, I would much rather see touchdowns from the offence than I would see takeaway after takeaway after takeaway because um, it's the offence that we really want firing because our defence, let's be honest, were, were pretty good last year, albeit not great against the run. Um, however, Deontay Banks has started showing off a bit of promise with a, a nice pass breakup. We've already touched on Hyatt. I just want to go into it a little bit more. He's found a knack for getting practice touchdowns. How important is it for the coaches to get the ball in his hands to acclimatise him as early and as quickly as possible, Kev? Yeah, I think it's hugely impactful because it's one of those things where, like, again, going back to just getting a feeling, just getting a feeling that I can do this. I'm on an NFL team in practice catching touchdowns from their uh, their quarterback, so it's about you know just breeding that confidence. I mean, one of the good things about him, we've we've always said, isn't really the speed. We we all know about the speed; he can run past people, but he's got very assured hands as well. So, you know, the more we can kind of like get him involved um, and all the rookies involved, and I mean, like even I was um, reading today, there's been some um, of the OTAs today again. There's been some interviews. I haven't had a quite chance. Haven't had a chance to. to um, you know, Deontay Banks was out there the ones today, um, and. Uh, Cardell Flott was in the slot for the ones today. So um, yesterday it was um, uh, Oru- Oruare? Oruare? Oru- Omani? Omani? Yeah, Omani, yeah. Oruari. Oruari. So he was on the he was on the outside um, in the first team yesterday, along with uh, Darnay Holmes in the slot with the first team yesterday. Now they changed it up today um, to to more of a, a of a lineup that I would prefer to see going forward. But um, yeah, I mean like. This is huge. You need to get them practices. You need to get them touches. And going back to Hyatt, you know, he will have that chip on his shoulder. He will first round pick. I've seen people, we see people mock him to the Giants at 25 overall. So isn't it about time that we kind of hit on these third round receivers that just turn out to be really, really good? Like, you know, really, so it's, it's about our time. You see other teams doing it, so why can't we? 
Yeah, Shane, thoughts on on my on Hyatt and uh, how much he's been, uh, how touching, much he's the been ball? touching the ball? Yeah, again, it's, it's one of them. Like you, you mentioned about the the touchdowns, like oh, I'm not, not not that I'm always negative, but again, <laughs> it's shorts. You know, the, the DBs are, are instructed don't jump up contesting balls. They're not that they're told not to do it. So that's probably why we're getting so many touchdowns and not many interceptions. Um, and like, you know, probably the key thing for me with these OTAs, the thing that I'm loving every single day, there's no injuries at the minute. Touch wood, that's what keeps happening because that, it feels like that's all we've ever had um, over the last couple of years. So, like, you know, the, the more it comes out, you know, yeah, there was, there was this play done and this play done. That's as good as it gets. That's absolutely fine by me. Um, but like in terms of Hyatt, yeah, you know, give him confidence, get him involved. Um, but like in terms of like him getting touchdowns and that in the in OTAs, in all honesty, um, take it with a pinch of salt. It's like a footballer scoring a hat-trick in pre-season. Yeah, it breeds confidence, but it also means absolutely jack-all, if we're honest. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. But sometimes um, you know yourself, like just getting, hitting the back of the net getting a shot on target or catching those balls, the balls getting into your hands and not dropping them. Just just breed that bit of confidence, I think. Yeah, I think um, it's it's all about repetition, isn't it? Repetition breeds confidence a lot of the time. You, you continue to catch the ball. You're also honing the way that you're catching the ball. Um, it's very different when you're changing from a college quarterback to to a now NFL season pro quarterback. They're going to have different techniques, different ways of throwing. The speed's going to be different. Um, even the angle and the delivery of, of how that ball comes in is going to be massive. So, I'm, you know, I'm all for it, but you are right. We're talking about practice. <laughs> right. So, positional in-depths. Um, Obviously, a couple of weeks ago, probably a couple of months ago now, actually, we went through our sort of state of the roster, looking at how we were pre-draft this year versus pre-draft last year. We can forget about all that dead wood from last year and, and everyone that's gone. Um, and we now have a roster that we will we will see change and move. But there are certain people on the depth chart that we would expect to see going forward. So we're going to have a look at those in depth. We're going to have a little chat about each person um i'll go through uh look at how they did last season we'll look at some of their stats from last season um we'll look at the expectations and then we'll like we'll have a little chat about what we think how we think it's going to go um but feel free to wave at me frantically if you want to cut in with anything uh, <laughs> while i'm talking but i mean before we do that we're just gonna we're just gonna show that depth chart now so you can see Daniel Jones is is the clear one at quarterback. Uh, Tyrod is is our uh, insurance policy, their veteran insurance policy, and then um, Tommy DeVito there, who is the undrafted free agent that we've picked up to be QB three at the moment. So we'll bring the running backs back up a bit later, but for now we'll start off with Mr. Jones. So showed last season showed promise in his first year under Brian Dable um, and Kafka doing enough to impress the Giants' front office to sign into a four-year contract despite them declining his fifth-year option earlier on that season. Um, he stayed mostly injury-free, a couple of niggles here and there. Nothing that really ruled him out for a full game. He did have that ankle injury um, against Chicago, I think it was, about midway through the season. Um, and they capitalised on the short-throw designed run kind of offence that we, we pulled for him. And also massively cut down on the turnovers that played previous years. Um, he posted career bests in passing yards, completion percentage. And that's despite having on paper an, an okay average wide receiver core, but really it, in execution, it, it was below average until Hodgins came in and really shored that up. So um, thoughts on, on Jones last season? Um Obviously, he earned his new contract. We've gone into that many a time. But Shane, how uh, how do you think Jones ended up performing? Yeah, I think I think if you you know if I turn around and say he performed above expectations, I think you'd find um, you'd sure to find many Giants fans that disagree and say now he expected exactly as we performed. You know, the, like alluded to earlier, this 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 off season he's going in. There's no uh, there's no real pressure on him. Obviously, last year he had the he was obviously. Annoyed 
in some way or another. Whether he, even, even though he never admitted it publicly, he had his fifth-year option declined. You know, that, that's nothing more than a kick in the teeth. We've not got much faith in yet, or you've not really performed and we're going to be letting you go. So all the pressure was on him a year ago. And, you know, I think he, he, he performed really well at times, especially on that back end, you know, this, the, probably the first 10, 10 weeks or so, Barkley was really on it. And then Barkley had a couple of knee goals and then Jones stepped up and that's what you kind of wanted to see. Um, I still maintain, I think the offence at certain times was dumbed down last year in the sense of they weren't letting him go out and throw it. I mean, I think there was... I think there was a, was there a couple of occasions where the um, under the mic, I can't think what it's what it's properly called, um, but you, there was a couple of times where Diable was caught hearing heard, hearing to Jones and saying, "Look, if it's there, go for it." Like that, that mm. wanting to to do it. So whether that was a little bit of a confidence thing, and maybe we saw like as we got towards the end of the season, he really started to come out of his shell a little bit in terms of how he was playing and that. So like kind of this year, I'm really hoping that we don't see that kind of. Not, I don't. I don't mean to like saying disrespectful by saying dumb down, but I hope it's like a case mm. of let's get exciting, let's get you know more statue of liberty kind of plays. You know, let's try and mix it all up, give him confidence. You've done it before, so you can do it again. That's absolutely no problem. Throw a few more deep balls, you know. And when you look at what we've added in the off season as well, speed, people that can stretch the field, clear the box out. So okay, them guys go, box is cleared out, hand off to Barkley on an RPO, go. So you know that's the kind of things that kind of get you excited, really, and get you looking forward to this upcoming season. Yeah, definitely. I think um, last year was kind of a case like the, the the coaching staff wanted to see what they had with Daniel Jones, so they inputted the um, playbooks and stuff like that, but gave him sort of like you say dumbed down, but more of a easier reading type of offense, where like you go look for a half decent route that's not open, little check down, just those type of things. You'll hand off. Um, to Saquon, you know, passes to the front, speed outs and stuff like that just to get the ball out of his hands quickly because let's face it as well, the old line wasn't particularly good last season. I mean, um, Evan Neal had his struggles at right tackle um, and we'll talk about that when we talk about the old line but, you know, so they kind of just wanted to get him productive and the best way they saw that was to give him sort of a, an easier offense to manage. Now, I do think... Um, Bringing in the players they brought in, you know, they've obviously gone for speed. I mean, Darius Slayton had a quote today, I think, saying, you know, you're not going to have all these Ferraris and keep them in the garage, are you? So, you know, they're going to, like, let loose with some some stuff, you know, and they really want to have the old line go forward. I think Evan Neal will have a better year. I think JMS in the centre will might have a struggle to be different. I think you'll get better play from the guard position as well, We what we predict to be Bredesen and uh, Glowinski. Now, if Daniel Jones, you should see some of the passes last year when he was given that extra second. Just give him that little bit extra half a second, a second to be able to plant his feet, pick the pass and pass it. You know, he pulled off some fantastic throws and we want to see more of that. So that's a little bit of a taster of what we could get this season. And I think being in the second, don't just kind of be in the second year of the same offensive scheme as well. Like, you know, we've harped on about it so much, especially myself saying like, this will be the first time since his second year in college that he's had the same um, offensive scheme going up, offensive coordinator. So, you know, I think that's a big thing as well. And obviously him be leader, the face of the franchise, well, the face of the franchise, but the franchise QB, you'll see him sort of taking more onus and more charge. And like, you know, they might say, okay, we've got an offense now that we can score points. Take that more dangerous throw, that little bit more of a 60-40 throw instead of the 80-20 throw. Do you know I mean, just try a little bit of the 55-45 throws, you know, Give him a bit of confidence to say, look, if you get a pick, fine. Okay, you know, we've got a, we've got a very good defense now. We've got an offense with so much speed that we can get up the field again. So I think this year, it won't be a case of like having a massive leap for him, but I just want to see that progression. Just carry on the progression. You know, he might have more interceptions. That's fine. As long as we have more touchdowns. You know, that touchdown uh, interception ratio, percentage uh, pass completion needs to be quite good. So it's not a case of like, you know, seeing this massive leap and him being like a top eight quarterback. You know, we don't need him to be that this year. But I want to see him be a top 12, pushing top 10 quarterback. Yeah, and, and while you're talking about touchdowns and, and an interception, uh, looking at the ratio between them. So last last year, uh, he had 15 um, passing touchdowns. It was tied for 21st in the league. So um, a lot lower than than really what you would want from somebody or what you would expect from somebody who, who went to the playoffs. You know, let's, let's be honest. We went to the playoffs and we, we won in wildcard weekend. Um, but for interceptions, he had five, which is it's a horrible stat to to compare because it was tied eighth least. But 
It's based on a minimum of 152 dropbacks. Jones played eight games more than Cooper Rush, who was first, and he had three. So, you know, you're going to expect that. I think an average across the season, Jones probably had one of the best interception ratios based on on throws in the league. So, you know, I think he did clean those up really well. Um, And just one other thing just to touch on as you guys were talking, that don't forget, this is the same Daniel Jones who tore the league apart with deep throws in his first in his first year and and he he didn't have the best weapons then um obviously we then brought in Kenny G hoping that he would be the 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 next logical step but that just didn't work and, and that's probably a lot of the reason that they didn't go deep is just we didn't have that big body receiver we have the speed in Slayton but as you alluded to as well he was under pressure quite quickly and he didn't. He couldn't wait for those comments or those um, those routes to kind of, you know, to, to 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 mature enough for him to then go right. I can now hit that. So, um, just going on to sort of expectations. He signed his new four year hundred fifty hundred sixty sorry million dollar contract. There's going to be considerable pressure on him to take take that next step this year. Um, with the re-signing of Slayton, additions of Campbell, Waller, Jalen Hyatt, Jones is going to have a greater variety of passing options than he's had in a long time. He's also going to have, hopefully, his centre of the future in JMS. Last season, he improved but was criticised for that lack of, of stat production as it's, as it's seen, as opposed to on-field production. How much pressure is on him to hit the ground running this year, Kev? especially with that contract. Yes, I mean, he is hugely uh, under the microscope and under pressure this season. You know, I kind of talked about, you know, sort of the expectations this year. You know, when I see progression, when I see growth, um, he is paid like a top 10 QB now. I mean, obviously, as people go get paid again with your uh, Burrows and your Herberts and stuff like that, you know, he'll creep down the order. But, you know, the, the, the money's there to show that, you know, the, the, we have faith in him, the, the organization has faith in him. Uh, so it's massive pressure, but he's like, he's got that kind of demeanor, hasn't he? Where like you know a little bit like Eli, where he's just you know yeah like he's cool. He doesn't sort of give you much in interviews. Something that you know he's sneaky, funny, and stuff like that. And he's actually like a good guy. And, and the locker room, I think, really really respect him. Like um, he might not be a showboat, a showboat type of player, but um, I definitely think we can get like solid solid consistency out of him. And again, last season he went out to prove that you know. I with a decent offense and decent situation, I can be productive. Now he's got a better situation and he should be able to pit better stats up. And I'm very hopeful. I mean, I'm not going to get ahead of myself, obviously, and say we're going to, to go on to the Super Bowl or he's going to pass for 4,000 yards or anything like that. But I would like to see, it's not always in the stats, you know, we'd be a better team and play better football. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? So, so just be mindful of that as well. You know, we might not get to 10 wins. But we definitely should get to 500, you know, around that mark. And if we just miss out on the playoffs, you know, I always only see a bit of growth. So the expectations are there, serious pressure, but I think he's got the mentality to handle it, and I think he will produce. Shane, do you think the uh, the stat line is going to be key for his um, his production? Um. So I don't think he's under that much pressure, in all honesty, because because like Kev says he's. He's not bothered. He can throw an interception. He walks off the field, and you wouldn't know he's 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 through an interception. Like you know, if if I was a quarterback, I'd be walking off the field. My head had been round. I'd be thinking, fuck, like what? What have I just done there? Like, but he's just like, yeah, next play, I'll I'll, I'll make up for him next time. And that, that's the mentality that you wanted. You know, you know, he's going to be preceded at at some point. There's some QBs that are going to come up that need paying and it'll drop Daniel Jones down a little bit a little bit further um, but you know I mean I think the key thing for me is I don't want to see I'm not so much about seeing progress I want to see some sort of progress what I don't want to see is I don't want to see any regression that's that's the key for me that's more important than progress if we get exactly the same season as last season I'm, I'm okay with it I might not be thrilled with it and I might think yeah you know I'd like to maybe see a few more touchdowns thrown or you know, I'm not going to knock him for his turnovers because that was the thing he was knocked on for for the first couple of years in his career. And he's really brought them down. If you look at kind of what he was doing in the first year and his second year, 
to what he did last year, they come down. But the key for me is I just don't want to see any regression. Yep, yeah, I, I agree with with everything you you guys have said. He he does seem to be that cool uh, cool as a, a cucumber kind of kind of guy. And and do you know what? He's almost in the right market to have that kind of demeanor, isn't he? Because that that New York market can really put pressure on you. And if you can deal with that, I think that says a lot. But just quickly as well, do you remember there was that little hint last year? You know, he started the season with David Sills and Marcus Johnson as his starting wide receivers. I mean, like, how do we went like four and one or five and one, whatever it was, with you know those type of starting level receivers? But who was it? Was it was it Johnson in one of the games where he um, we dropped that possible touchdown yeah. pass for us to go and win the game? And and you, you saw a little bit about him, you know, a little bit like you know, come on, you need to catch, you know, he proper like so. So I think he's, I think he's got a little bit about him. But, but not too much. Happy to kind of just let it simmer for a bit and 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 then uh, address it probably behind closed doors. You know, as a, as Wallace said earlier, he's an introvert, and I think that that really does come through. And um, here's it's just a, a quick fun one for you two. Um, is Jones the the biggest fish in the New York market quarterback wise? Kev. I think he can be the most productive one next year and take his team further. Um, but for personality and for uh, celebrity, I think the other fella may just take that. <laughs> Shane? Yeah, I mean, he's not a knob like the other one. <laughs> <laughs> no dark mystery no treats for Joe. Perfect. Let's uh, let's move on to the other two. We'll fire through the next two, and then and then we'll have some discussion afterwards. So, to Tyra Taylor likely to be our backup again. Um, appeared in three games last season. Cameo appearances against the Bears in Week Four after Jones injured injured his ankle, um, and then Tyra had to come out with a concussion after a run. So Jones came back in. Um, he also came in, in Eagles Week Fourteen. I think that was a blowout game that he he was just inserted into and then the Colts where we blew out the Colts in week 17 um he was bought in after Jones I think on a third down Jones Jones left to to rapturous applause from from MetLife and because of those limited appearances his stats aren't great you know 58 passing yards he had a touchdown he also had an interception um 70 rushing yards Two fumbles as well, which I mean, you want to you want someone to protect the ball. Uh, I actually think that might be, you know, um, Jones had six last year, which was tied for six fewest. Um, two obviously is is less, but smaller sample size. Um, Taylor's likely to be the Giants' backup quarterback again, barring any serious drop off in his preseason, which it doesn't look like there is. Um, as an experienced veteran, he'd be ready to jump in whenever. And we do have uh, the most aptly named giant there probably ever is for somebody in the New York market in Tommy DeVito, who transferred from Illinois to Syracuse, started all 12 games last season um, and recorded career bests across the board. Uh, he did try to return to Illinois for 2023, but his waiver was denied. So there was a high percentage chance that he wasn't even going to declare for the draft this year. Um, some of his stats, now you you got to understand when we talk about uh, where he is uh, in his positioning in, in the rankings, there's a hell of a lot of college teams. Uh, it's not like the NFL was 32. There's a hell of a lot. So though it might sound like top, you know, 66th in passing yards, 2,393 passing yards is still a fair chunk and would probably be in the upper echelon of, of an NFL kind of quarterback. So just bear that in mind. But 15 touchdowns, four interceptions, so you're pretty safe with the ball, uh, five rushing touchdowns, four fumbles. He had a quarterback rating across the season, 99.8, so relatively um, safe. Uh, it has been said that he is a very accurate thrower of the ball, um, which his completion percentage would, would re of... Um, 69.6 would would kind of make perfect sense especially seeing as he's at a smaller school as they're sort of more more known but um you know Dable's already said he's got a long way to go but he'll likely land on the practice squad we do have uh Bryce Perkins former Los Angeles Ram and Clemson Hunter Johnson there but um 
DeVito is one of those players that not really anyone knows anything about, apart from the fact that, like we've said, his name fits the New York market perfectly. Um, do either of you know much? And what do you think about his chances um, of if he was thrust into a game next season? Kev? Yeah, so obviously I didn't know anything about him pre-draft or anything like that because you know me and she like to look at players but we can't get down to sort of that far to some of the sort of lesser known players but um you know actually look, look, look at some of his tape afterwards and he's one of those players like that he's actually more accurate on the run so he's actually you know he's very good at getting out of trouble and throwing on the run and he can make up a first one of those players if he can develop his accuracy is okay it's quite good so i think it's one of those players that could pro- uh progress on the practice squad and he can come in and sort of like just get you through a game, just, just just sort of like pick up short yards, you know, get flushed out of the pocket, make a little dump off, you know, and let the let someone else sort of make the yards up for you. And he can make first downs with his legs. So, you know, um, although he would, won't come in, I don't think I've ever seen him starting, I think he's got a, a fair chance to develop into a long-term backup in the league. I mean, um, Shane will probably talk more about, um, about uh, uh, the other, what's the backup QB, the proper one? Tyrod. I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> Taylor, um, Tyrod Taylor is quite similar as well. Like he's a savvy vet, and you know he can make uh, yards with his legs. And he might not be the most accurate thrower, but um, we find statue type in the pocket pocket passers um, as they get older, the accuracy goes, and they can't make things up with their legs. Whereas Tyrod Taylor is that type of player who can come in and sort of just churn out yards and sort of get you over the over the line if you need so. There you go, Shane. That's kind of set up for you to to chat a little bit about Tyrod. Yeah, I mean, in all honesty, we don't see either of them because, you you know, it means that Danny's absolutely fine, not picking up any injuries or anything, and he's doing what he needs to be doing. Um, But if I do have to see one of them, what I don't want to see is Tyrod Taylor running at another player, going head first, and then going out with a concussion. Um, I hope he learns his lesson from that last year because I know I think all of us were pretty peed off of him at the time that he did that. You know, you, you start in QBs then, the one thing you don't do is put yourself at harm as well. And if I remember right, I think Ty had to sit out, Danny come in, and it was just constant, um, Saquon taking the snaps, wildcat formations constantly because, you know, we had we had no quarterbacks left. Um, so, you know, I mean, I've got no issues with the signing of Tyrod Taylor. I'll be honest, I'm happy to go on record and all my hands up and say oh, I thought Tyrod Taylor would be the start of this year because I, be- I fully believe that we would have a rookie QB on our roster this year and that Tyrod would be the bridge and I'll happily hold my hands up to that and admit it. Um, am I glad that he's not 100% because it means that, you know, the guy that we had has done his job, got paid as we've discussed. Um, so, yeah, you know, in all honesty, I hope we don't see either of them. Um, and just to emphasize Craig's point about how many teams there is at college football. I mean, Tommy DeVito throws four interceptions and he's the twen- tied for 27th. Like, that, that just emphasises the point of how many people are making throws because, you know, although there's many college teams, college teams like to get really fancy and sexy mm-hmm. and doing all these bizarre plays that are slowly making their way into the NFL. But, you know, it's not just quarterbacks that you see making throws there and, you know, you have punters or kickers doing it sometimes, got all sorts of stuff at college level. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it's crazy looking at some of those stats for, for for Tommy and just seeing sort of how far down he is. Um, you know, a quarterback making 183 rushing yards doesn't sound like a lot. It's more than some NFL quarterbacks. He's he's 88th in that queue. <laughs> you know, that's a that's a lot of quarterbacks <laughs> running ahead of you. Um, right. If we go back to our little graphic here, uh, Barkley. Obviously, it, if he signs, he's number one. Like, it, it's not even a question. I think the next four are very interesting. I think that Matt Breeder, Eric Gray, Gary Brightwell, Deshaun Corbin, that's um, a very, very interesting foursome that we could see. We you, you couldn't really predict it, but I think you could see something quite shocking happen during during the off-season with those four. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll start with Barkley because he's the main attraction there. Um, final year of his rookie contract last year. Um, knew he had to return to the form that we'd seen him have in, in his rookie season. I mean, did he deliver or what? 
finished with career high in carries, 295, and rushing yards with 1,426. I mean, he carried the team on his back at times, as we've just said, with the wildcat snaps that he had to have in that Chicago game when we were down to no QBs, which with the NFL's new third QB rule, we hopefully won't see ever again, but um, you never know. Um, And the fact that when the Giants ended up losing games that were winnable games against teams around us, it was because Barkley was stifled and had his worst performances of the season in those games. So it really emphasises just how much of our offence goes through Barkley and how many yards and touchdowns we get off of him. And we have really run him into the ground the last few seasons. Um, But, you know, he also shined in the receiving game. He led the Giants in targets and receptions. He had 41 targets, 31 receptions. Um, Didn't have any receiving touchdowns, but had 12 rushing touchdowns, tied fifth um, in the league. He, He was a top five running back last year. It's just a shame that the market diminished and really the offers that were on the table during the season should have been signed there and then. Just sign the papers, throw them away and and crack on. This season, if he signs his franchise tag tender or if he can agree a long-term deal with the Giants, which we would all love to see, he will undoubtedly be the lead back and the Giants starter. There's no question about it. The Giants will have to manage that workload better going forward. Um, you know, as he led all running backs in in snaps last year, and he was third amongst all running backs in attempts. It's an easy question: what happens with Barkley? Shane, he's your boy. We'll let you uh, let you start. Oh man! <laughs> uh, <laughs> the funny thing is, like, I mean, I know people might not want to know what goes on in my head, and sometimes I wish I day to be honest. <laughs> But this is actually a thought that I had on my way driving to and from work today. I was listening to a Giants podcast and I started thinking, what's going to happen with Barkley? Now, I know some people aren't interested in re-signing him. They're happy for him to play under the tag. Or I've heard some people say, like, you know, pull the tag, all that BS, basically. And it's a really, it's a really hard one because the longer it goes on, the longer you start to think... We're not going to get a deal done here. Like I think all of us, and I know, I know, I can definitely speak for myself. But when he was tagged, I said he won't play under the tag. He'll um, he'll get a deal before the season starts, and I genuinely believe that. Back in March, we're now going into June. Nothing's been done, and it starts to get into. You start thinking like, okay, where's where's this at? How long is it going to go on for? You know, he, I've watched him at Penn State. I've watched him at New York. He's the Ultimate professional in, in my eyes, you know, he's but at the same time, and I can't knock him for it, he's got to look out for number one. And if he feels that maybe I don't dress on, you know, we'll see what the start of the season goes. I'm not interested in playing. If he feels that's the best option for him, you know, that that's his decision at the end of the day. Um, and you know, I think I think we all admit it, I think even he would admit it now. Ridiculous to turn down the offer during the season. You know, it was it was a fair offer in my opinion. You know, it didn't come out at the time, but if someone had said to me you get Barkley for 13, 14 million, whatever it is, yeah, that's absolutely fine by me. Again, I know some people say that's too expensive. Not for me, because I've always maintained I see him as much more than a running back. I think that you can put him in multiple multiple positions. You know, let's not forget that game in, in um London that we were all at and that he made that running catch on that slant play and he that kind of got the offence going again when they were just starting to struggle a little bit. That's the kind of things you can do. But other than that, as much as like people like Daniel Jones and want to rave about him, Daniel Jones isn't the face of the franchise at the minute still. It, it's still Saquon for me. Saquon's the one who sells the jerseys, in my opinion. Can't prove it. I might be wrong. But to me, Saquon is the face of the franchise right now. And I think in his heart of hearts, I think he wants to be here, but the, it's the financial. And in all, I really don't know what's going to happen. Like I say, I don't think he'll sit the season out. I don't think he'll miss any any time personally. But if he does, who are we to criticise him for it at the end of the day? He's got to do what's best for him in his career and his body. That means he can play in this league a little bit longer than what some running backs do. 
Um, I do genuinely hope a deal gets done, but like I say, the longer it goes on, the longer you start to think, is he going to, you know, is it 17th of July, I think it is, or something like that? Gets yeah. 17th of July, you know, you, you're sort of talking six weeks away now. Kev, just, um, you are Mr. Cap King, the, the, the king of the cap. Um, franchise tag this year, how much? 11? 10.1. And next year? It would be 12. 12.2. So, that, so 20, he's, he's guaranteed, if he plays under the tag the next two years, he's guaranteed 22 million. How much do you think guaranteed it takes for, for that deal to, to be done? 25 plus, I think. 25 to 26 over four years, I think, is kind of... And obviously, you add on the salary as well and stuff like that. Um, hmm. I think the Giants, I've heard, have come back to the table post-draft with a valuation of under 13 mil per year. And that was batted away by Barkley's agents pretty swiftly, I think. So there's at such an impasse at the moment. It's so, so difficult to see the outcome of this. But I don't know. Part of me thinks like, you know, agents are just, oh, yeah, I hate agents. Like, you know, I'd, you know, I'd love um, agents to actually work in the best interest of their client and not just financially. Because, you know, we're working under a cap here. It's different if we had unlimited funds, like a, like G or a, you know, you could just, you know, you know, find the money and pay people. You, you can't in the NFL. There is a salary cap situation. Now, you need to know your market worth, know your own personal worth, and know what the what the Giants are trying to do by filling its competitive team when they offer you a contract. Now, part of me wants to be kind of ruthless and say, you know, if you talk about the guaranteed money as well, but don't forget the guaranteed money is only for this year. And if he gets injured long term, then that second year option won't even be there for him. Hmm. So, so in theory, you're going the season with only ten point one million. Now, it is difficult as well because all these things are. Some people will say they're not fair, but this is these were all agreed in the collective bargaining agreement in the CBA. You know, players agreed these terms to franchise tagging, you know, transition tagging, you know, these type of things. And you know, so to say like you know you won't play on the tag. You know, I think you should play in the tag because that was agreed by your fellow NFL PA, by the the, the 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 unions, essentially, agreed these terms in these sort of situations. So to say that you won't play, um, I, I, he hasn't said that. We'll say that. No, he hasn't said that. His, his representatives haven't said that. I actually think if a deal doesn't get done, I think he'll sign the tag and play on the tag. I think he'll sign before July. And I would think that he might push that. His agents might not agree with it and get him to sort of sit out right up until training camp, right up until game one and maybe a game or two. His agents might push that. But I think he might push back to his agents and say, look, I'll sign the tag and play um, the season and then and then try and get a deal done long term at the end. So um, it's a really difficult one to, to sort of see what's going to happen. Um, but I can see a long term deal getting done. I can see him playing under the tag. I can't see him not playing. I'd be frustrated if, if, if that was the case. But he is a fantastic player. He's faced the franchise. He is a top five player. He said he didn't want to reset the market. It sounds like he's reset the market. Um, so uh, I think we are a bit of an impasse now. I don't think he wants to be seen in a bad light by the fan base. So I think that might tip the skills for him to actually sign the tag if they can't get a deal done. Yeah, it's interesting that um, obviously Austin Eckler from the Chargers had a lot of kind of bad things to say about the Chargers and it looked like he was going to get traded and they've recently just reworked his his deal quite incentive laden um, just to bump those numbers up for him I mean that's always an option that we could do um, is, is pop some incentives in there um, incentives still count against the cap though am I correct in saying that they 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 if if it's predictive they do. If it's hard to reach, they don't. The hard to reach ones are the, the predictive ones are something you did last season. So if you went for 10 touchdowns and he got 12 last year, that's predictive that that's saying that you will likely, sorry, likely and unlikely. You'll likely get those and they will go against the cap this season. Unlikely ones won't. Well, there we go. So it's still a cap hit. The cap hit is something we need to obviously address. There's going to be other options there if he doesn't do it. And one thing just to just to clear up is that Barkley isn't at OTAs at the moment, but that's not him going, 
I'm not going to OTAs because I can't be bothered. That's him going, I'm not signing this franchise tag. And because I haven't signed it, I can't physically go to OTAs until until the deal is done. It's not just that, so I'll just say like Dexter Lawrence isn't there at the moment because it is voluntary. He signed his deal and he's allowed to be there. He's, he's turned, not there at the moment because yeah, he's, 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 he's turned up today. Yeah, so yeah, first, Dex, first day's Dex, turned up. Yeah, Dex and uh, Big Cat turned up today for their first day. But but you are right. Um, they're voluntary. They're not. They're not uh, mandatory. You will have some players who will have incentives in their contracts to turn up to certain things. That's entirely down to them and Joe Shane and the rest of the people who are negotiating those contracts. Yeah, I was just going to say, um, Daniel Jones had it in his contract that he turned up to voluntary OTAs and he got four point five million for it. So, you know, Joe Sheehan's very much by putting those type of incentives into the contracts. Yeah, I just want to highlight a, a comment that's come through on, on YouTube. We put up a, a minute ago, but just for those who are listening, just want to make sure that you guys get to hear this kind of stuff as well. But Steve said, you know, I think at some point Saquon might have to look at or has to look at um, changing agents if he wants to stay in New York. And, you know, it's a possibility. I don't know who his agent is. Um, obviously, Daniel Jones did something very similar before he signed his contract. And he saw that whether that was a case of the agents weren't getting the money he wanted or getting the deal that he wanted, he changed agents. I'm sure we've all read the articles about Daniel Jones and his contract negotiations. And I'd rather not have to do that with Saquon Barkley. Um, but these things can drag on. Um, we're hopeful that something can happen, but there are other running backs on the roster um, if worse came to the worst. So, you know, backup number one, would you say? Matt Breeder signed a one-year deal with the Giants last year. Um, evidently saw his on-field time limited due to being behind Barkley, who was having a career season, um, but did still play a part in all 17 games, including the um, season closer, you know, starting the season closer against the Eagles, had 220 rushing yards a touchdown. Uh, 157 of those yards were off the contact, um, over 100 yards uh, in the receiving game as Gen. Um, likely will lead the running back or the backup side of the running back room, um, but may see a snap counts reduces a the plethora of young, hungry talent that's behind him in, in that pecking order. We'll get into the three youngsters in a second, but do you feel like Breeders' um, role is under threat this season, Kev? Yeah, 100%, definitely. I think there's definitely a role for him, and he will start out as the number two, clear number two at the beginning of the year. But I think he will get pushed out for that role as the season goes on. But even then, I still believe with his speed, there's definitely a, a role for him in the, in the offense. Now, he's not the most complete back. You know, he's not very good between tackles and stuff like that. But if he does get a crease, he can go. And he did come in and play admirably, admirably last year. Um, so I think, like, he will be on the roster as number two. But I do believe that he might be surpassed by a certain player we'll talk about in a second. Shane, thoughts on, on Breeder? Um, um. Yeah, um, I'm not going to get into it too much. I'm going to come on to it in a second, but he's not going to be the number two start of the season for me. Is that a bold that prediction a, uh, one later? Could be. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know, we keep we keep we're fire through the running backs because there's a few of them. So I'll go through the next three, and then um, we'll crack on with some questions and some thoughts on, on those. So um, last year's number three was, was Gary. I'll make Gary. Mr. Brightwell, um, saw the field slightly more often than his first year in the league. Um, hard running style was rewarded, I think, with his first career touchdown uh, in London against the Packers that we all cheered very loudly. Um, and I think he also impressed quite a few people with just the direct running style that he has, where he just wasn't afraid to just get involved and and. Though he didn't, you know, he, he 140 yards, he got his rushing touchdown. Um, 4.5 yards a carry, though, is is pretty good. That's kind of almost around the, the sort of magic mark that you want for three downs is, you know, you need 10 yards, 3.3 a carry is, is enough, really, to get you um, a first down almost every time. Um, also had 39 receiving yards, but his third season in blue is kind of feels a bit make or breaky under um, in the Giants regime. Um, 
and obviously the addition of Eric Gray, who we'll come on to now, um, and last year's practice squad member, Deshaun you know, Corbin, who is, you know, at the bottom of this pecking order, uh, that could impact Brightwell um, going forward. Uh, Eric Gray, who is one of our rookies, our draft picks from this year, picked up in the fifth round, um, took over as the Sooners lead back in 2022. And he's been described as a slippery runner and really did deliver his most productive season. 12 games, 1,372 yards, 212 carries, 6.5 yards a carry, 11 touchdowns, one fumble. I mean, they are some some pretty solid numbers there. He also had 34 receptions for 238 yards to show that he has the uh, ability to play in the backfield in the receipt and, and have an impact in the receiving game, which is a lot what we kind of rely on Barkley to do as well. Um, as said before, Breitner could lead the backups, but if anything was to happen to Barkley contract or injury wise, the Giants would need to pay, probably pivot to a, a, a running back by committee approach. I don't think there's a lead back there. Um, and that could really have Gray showcases talents going forward. Um, and then the last one, Deshaun Corbin, um, he was a practice squad member all of last year. He was stashed there, signed to a future reserve contract at the end of the season. Potentially could end up on the practice squad again unless the Giants lose one of the above to a, a long-term injury. But even then, is probably likely to be at the back of the queue. So four players there. We've already spoken about Breeder. We've got Gray. We've got Brightwell. We've got Corbin. If Barkley signs his tag or his or signs a new contract, one of them or two of them are going to be odd men out. Who are those odd men out in your eyes? Shane, do you want to? You were you were talking about your, uh, your potential uh, new backup. Yeah. So for me, I think the, the odd one out is going to be Corbin. Um, I think we'll run, we'll we'll run with three running backs. Um, that's all. I can't do it, so I'm going to say Brady's going to be the other odd man out. I'm not. I'm not throwing Gary under the bus. I just refuse to do it. Um, you know, get young at the position. Let, let's let's get young and stay young. Breeders not going to be number two. It's going to be Eric Gray. Um, I'm still watching tape on Eric Gray now because I enjoy watching him. He's a really fun player to watch. So I can genuinely, if people haven't watched any anything of him at all, just go onto YouTube like half an hour or something. I really enjoy watching Eric Gray and I think Eric Gray is going to be the RB too. Um, if if Saquon doesn't, if Saquon sits out, they might keep Brader for that reason and maybe they'll make him the RB one because it might be a little bit too soon for Gray to be an RB one. Um, but, you know, if, if Barkley says, yeah, okay, week one, we're good to go, contract, tag, whatever, then I'm going to have Eric Gray as number two. And I'm, I'm not throwing Gary under the bus. Gary brings special teams value, which Brader doesn't. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go Corbin and Brader are the odd men out. Kev? Yeah, so difficult. I think they might try and sneak on four this year and, and you know, go with Breeder because I think they have a lot of faith in him. But they do see the benefits of having Brightwell and what he can bring to the game in more of the short yardage type runs, uh, like special teams, as we've talked about. <clears throat> but number two by the end of the season is Eric Gray. And I can just only reiterate exactly what Shane's saying. I mean, he's one of those players I had, what, late third round, early fourth round type of grade on. Um, really liked the way he played. And we got him in the fifth round. You know, again, I talked about with Hyatt earlier on. Like, he, he's the type of running back that you get in the fifth round that just is a solid, could be a solid starter in this league. You know, not getting you fantasy points every week, but comes out, grinds it out, and just plays really, really well. I mean, his change of direction is phenomenal. He hasn't got that long speed. You know, he will get caught. He'll, he won't take, um, he won't make a 90 yard run or an 80 yard run to, all the way to the house. But, you know, he, he's shifty enough to get first downs and he's definitely near enough always makes the first man, man watching go, watching some of his tape. He's still like him and Javarius Owens. I, I just find myself going back and just sticking on a little bit and just sort of like watching some of their highlights because they do look like players that can actually contribute to this team this season. I mean, we've had a fantastic draft. Um, I think Corbin was, Corbin flashed in college at FSU. Um, and he kind of showed what he what he might be able to do. And I think he's kind of done that in practice as well with the Giants. He's kind of like had moments where the Giants are like, 
can we tap into this? I think that's why they they show like quite um, show some faith in him by keeping him on the practice squad and keeping him around the team. Um, I think he might go on the practice squad again this year um, and sort of will be a bit of a dogfight. But I can see four lads just making it. If uh, Barkley comes back early, um, you know I think Breeden might 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 drop down to number two, number three on the pecking order. Um, but I'd love to see Gray get a lot of carries, especially when we get the pads on, especially when we start doing joint practices and stuff with the Lions and Jets. And uh, I really want to see what he can do then. Um, but very, very high on the on the backfield if we can get Barkley back. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I Cor- Corbin does strike as just being somebody who will drop naturally down to the practice squad. And um, I think the lack of interest in him from other teams last year will probably play in our favour in that that we can drop him and, and pick him onto the up onto the practice squad. And you know, practice squad poaching is just one of these things in the NFL. And if he happens to get poached, then so be it. That's the risk you always take. Um it's the risk we might end up having to take with uh another with one of our undrafted free agents in um in Wheaton. But we'll come on to that in uh in our future episode when we look at the wide receivers. But um, yeah, I think we all have that just emotional tie to Gary, don't we? And seeing him score the touchdown in London was cheered probably as loudly as anything was when we saw him go in. Uh, And it just, it does feel harsh. And we've already spoken about the fact that he's an aggressive runner. He, and, and that's not really something we have with anybody else. Breeder still has a bit of speed. Saquon is Saquon. Gray is an, is more of an elusive runner. He's never really going to, you know, run behind the tackles and really get stuck in. So he does bring a different dynamic that potentially those hard yards, if you need them, he, he might be able to pick them up. So it's going to be interesting for sure. It'll be interesting to go back uh, and look at these episodes and, and what we've said when it actually comes down to the the cut day because cut days after the last day of preseason and we we drop what is it something like how many players is it it's, it's loads is it 40 players yeah we dropped from 90 players down to 53 so it's a huge drop and the other thing that we just don't know is somebody else could could fall through the cracks and we go Breeder, sorry, son, but there's somebody else, and, and in they come. So it is still up in the air. But there you go. That's that's our kind of thoughts on, on the quarterback position right now and the running back position. As we said, we, we will be going through two position groups at a time. The next time will be wide receivers and tight ends um, on our next episode. Uh, but if you agree with us, let us know. If you don't, get involved, send us something on, on Twitter. We'll throw some polls up. We'll we'll see what the general consensus is on, on those running backs behind Barkley. Um, now, unfortunately, that's all we have time for this week. Uh, however, we will be back, um, but not next week. It will be in two weeks' time. Um, next week, uh, Kev, I think, is unavailable. Myself and uh, Dan are at Download Festival. And we would like to get on the beers the night before and really enjoy ourselves. Uh, so we're, we're all going to have, a, I think, a well-earned break um, and come back nice and refreshed on the 14th of June. Um, I have no idea if... Any I love how our... you boys are going on. I love how you boys are going on the Download Festival and I'm off to Disneyland Paris with the wee one. <laughs> That's rock and roll, that is. I'm telling you. <laughs> well, you get to... Uh, the teacups and the uh, the carousel and <laughs> um, myself and dad will be at download festival uh we have these lovely new shirts that we're kind of having a a test out testing the quality seeing what they're like uh if anybody likes them and uh, and potentially would like one we are working on something around that but if you do happen to see me or dan at download festival don't hesitate to come up and say hello um, we love chatting with you guys. Uh, any excuse to talk Giants football, um, we are more, more than happy. Um, but before we do disappear, Shane, anything to add before we go? No, it's just good being uh, being back on. Missed last week's episode, so I just want to say um, great listening to Andy. Good to have Andy on, um, getting his views and um, you know, 
reminiscing about the, the the Packers game, which obviously we've alluded to a couple of times tonight. Um, so yeah, that was a great episode to listen back to last week. Um, and to anyone who's listening, you know, if you're not following us on any social platforms, then please do, and also leave any reviews as well. Absolutely, Kev. Yeah, just um, really good to be on with boys tonight, especially uh, your birthday night, Craig. Um, yeah, and it's just, you know, like, stick with this. You know, like I said, I was always say, like, we're off nine next week, but there's going to be a few things to talk about. There's going to be lots of divisional position uh, position rankings again to talk about. And, uh, yeah, like I said, it's exciting times. You know, Daniel Jones is going to improve this year, and it's going to be good to see. Yeah, absolutely. And as, as Shane said, I mean, it goes across the bottom of our of our video here. Um, but, we, you know, Big Blue UK IRL or Big Blue UK and Ireland, search for on Facebook, on Instagram, uh, on Twitter. Uh, we have our email, bigblueukirl at gmail.com. You can always send um, questions in there. You're more than welcome to send us DMs. We do check our message requests. Um, so nothing really sort of slips through the cracks. Um, and obviously, don't forget that we will be going over to the States around Thanksgiving time for the Patriots game. And if anybody who is listening or watching is going to be going to that game and you haven't already spoken to us or or anything, feel free to reach out. Um, we're going to be sorting out some stuff across the weekend. As we've said, it doesn't matter where we're at download, whether you see us randomly, which is very unlikely in the UK, but you never know. Or any of the meetups that we do, we've got the uh, Washington meetup uh, in October um, or, you know, in New York City when we're there. Feel free to come up and, and chat to us or, or keep an eye on the socials. We'll always let you know, uh, let you guys know where we are. Um, and we'd love to meet as many of you as possible. And that's it. Um, my thanks as ever go to Kevin, to Shane. Uh, commiserations to Dan, as I am slowly taking over his host position every single time that I'm on here. Um, but I'm sure he'll love listening along uh, anyway. And my thanks as ever go to all the viewers, anybody who commented, and to all of our listeners. We are signing off until next time.